From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Remember and recall at the beginning of this series, I talked about the human heart, how the human heart is key to life. It pumps 200 gallons of blood throughout our body every single day, and that blood carries oxygen and nutrients throughout our body and, and it discards wastes and carbon dioxide. The human heart has, an, has a keen sense of rhythm. It can sync up with the tempo of music, or it can sync up with someone you love when you're close to them, which is incredible, um, the heartbeat. The heartbeat is a way to tell that the heart is functioning. Where there is no heartbeat, there is no heart functioning, right? Where there's no heartbeat, there's no life. Um, And we need life to pump through us as a church. We need life to pump through our church. That begs the question for me, what does our heart beat for? What's flowing through our veins? If you could put your finger on Parkway, what would you feel? What is driving life through us? What is our heart for this house and why? And so we've been looking at four key purposes, summing up our heart for the house. They'll be on the screen here for us. is know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We've been looking at this for the past four weeks. And if you recall, at week one, I actually shared that there was a focus study done of non-Christian, unchurched people where they were paid $100 each to sit in a room and hear a pastor tell them God's purposes for their lives and in turn help them put it in words that they could understand. And so these were the phrases that these non-Christian, unchurched people came up with when when trying to discover what God's purpose was for their lives. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced that more people will begin a journey with God or towards God if we have, as Christians, just maybe considered the language and the words that we use to describe the things of God. I, I think about my son, we just, we just moved here, for those of you who don't know, a couple months ago, and um, we've been here for a couple months, and my son started French, French Immersion at Sir John Moore, and he's never been in French Immersion before. And the students that he's been joining with have been doing it for almost two years, and he hasn't had a lick of French in his life. And so all of a sudden, he's, he's, he's immersed in this culture where people are speaking a language that he doesn't understand, and half the time, he hasn't got a clue. Thankfully, he's getting up to speed because the teacher is really working with him on translating for him. So she'll speak to him and she'll say, this is what this means. In the same way as, 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 as us as a church and as us as Christians, we need to consider the language that we're using as we describe things to people. Because language can be a huge barrier. And we need to be missional minded. And so this is the, these are the phrases that, that this group came up with. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And so we've been checking them out. So our heart is that we will be a church where people come to know God. We'll be a church where people come to know God. We see God's first purpose for our lives as people, as mankind, is for us to know him. John 17, 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. And we looked at that word know is actually a very intimate term. It describes relationship, deep connection. And so our, we will endeavor as a church to structure ourselves in a way that people can come to know God. I want to see people far from God come to know God. I want to see your neighbors and your, and your coworkers and, and those that are in, in your streets and, and in Corona and Moortown and, and Lambton County. I want to see people who don't know God drawn to a place where they can come to know God. That's our heart. 
Our heart is that we will be a church where people can come to find freedom. Because we can know God, but we can still be hung up in our messes, right? We can still be hung up in our messes, but Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. And that means finding freedom. Galatians 5, chapter 1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom. And the key to freedom, we were talking about this a little bit, is walking in relationship. Relationship with God, but also relationship with one another. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's freedom when we come together. And your opportunity for that is beginning with Church Around the Table. So if you haven't signed up, here's another shameless plug for Church Around the Table. So we will endeavor to be a church where people can build relationship, relationship with God, but also relationship with one another where people can connect. Our heart is that we will be a church where people can come to discover purpose. God has designed us uniquely with purpose. There is a reason that we exist. You are not an accident regardless of what someone may have told you. There is a reason that you exist, and we believe he has a unique purpose for each of us. Romans 12, 6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And so we will be a church. We will become a church where people can come and discover their gifts. And that's partly why we handed out a spiritual gifts test last week. So people just don't come to church, but they can figure out where, how they're designed and how they're shaped. And so as we discover our gifts, we can begin to live a life that makes a difference. Because we're called to make a difference. We're called to make a difference, which we'll look at a little bit today. And we do so by using the gifts and the abilities and our shape to serve and, and bless others and help the mission move forward. So why these phrases? Why know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference? Because it gives us a target to shoot for. It gives us a target to shoot for. We don't just want to come and do church. We want to be the church. And we want to serve the purposes of God. If we don't have vision for where we're going, if we don't know what our heart beats for, then as the scriptures say, and I'll show you in a moment, we'll stumble over ourselves. We'll stumble over ourselves. We won't live a life of meaning, and there'll be no life flowing through our lives. Proverbs 29, 18 says, If people can't see what God is doing, they'll stumble over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So you need vision for your life. You need vision for your life, and we need vision as a church because we want to be a church that makes a difference. I want us to be a church that makes a difference. I want people to talk about Parkway and how Parkway is making a difference, and not just on a corporate kind of level, in an event kind of level, but in individual lives. I want them to talk about how so-and-so over here impacted them, invited them, and, and touched them or shared with them. Some of you are in this room, and you're here today because someone brought you, because someone poured into your life, because somebody made a difference in your life, and we want to be that we want to be that kind of church. We want to see the church become alive and grow and be transformed. Are you with me? So look at somebody and say, are you ready to make a difference? Let's pray. Father, we commit, as we've already done so, this, this, this service to you, this moment to you, commit our hearts and our minds to you. And I pray, God, that you would just stir something in us, God, as we discuss this topic, Lord, in a way that changes us in a way that compels us, God, to be people who live, alive, live lives, God, of, of purpose, God, who live lives to make a difference, God. And so speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, God, as only you can. Lord, maybe there's people here that don't know you or are far from you. I pray that you'd speak to them also. I pray you'd bring us on this path of, of discovering our purpose, God, from knowing God all the way to finding freedom, God, to discovering purpose, God, to making a difference. And so speak to us as you can this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
Niccolo, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Panganini, was said to be the greatest violinist of all time, or one of the greatest violinists of all time. He's also a composer. He was born in 1782 in Italy and was able to play the violin so incredibly that people at the time thought his mother sold his soul to the devil so that he could do so. It gained him the nickname, the devil's violinist, so much so that after he died, the local church would not bury his body. He could play beautifully, though. You can find some of his, his pieces on, online. His violin, however, remained, and he willed it to the city of his birth with the condition that the instrument never be played. However, unfortunate, because the wood of the violin would show very little wear and would be preserved as long as someone handled it and used it. The exquisite, mellow-toned violin could become worm-eaten, worm-eaten, in its beautiful case, if left unused. However, as far as I understand, they went against his wishes, and still today, once a month, a curator will come and play that violin. Someone once said this, the purpose of life is to discover your gift, but the meaning of life is to give that gift away. A life that does not utilize its gifts is meaningless and will begin to decay just like this violin will rot if left unplayed. Meaning comes to life when we give our gifts away. The scriptures put it this way in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We have been given a grace by God. We've been gifted in such a way in various forms that we become stewards of that gift when we use it to serve others. We're designed with purpose in mind. There's a reason that we exist. We have all been designed with different forms by God to serve God. And as we discover our gifts in that journey, the end game is not just to discover the gifts. But the end game is to use how, how we're gifted, how we're made, and walk in and exercise those gifts. Because then when we do so, we find real meaning. We were made to make a difference. So I want to focus on John chapter 15, verse 8. Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So Jesus shared this with his 12 main guys, his 12 main disciples. They're sitting down just before he was about to be arrested and, and crucified. And he's discussing with them the importance of remaining in him and keeping his commands and following his teachings. You'll probably remember some of you who've grown up in church, been around church enough. I am the vine, you are the branches. This is that moment. Because in doing so, they would bear much fruit, not actual fruit. Right? That's such a bad dad joke, right? I imagine one of the disciples are just like, oh, Jesus, are we supposed to bear like apples or something? I, I, I'm so bad at bad jokes that every time my wife says, I'm just going to go jump in the shower, I'm just like, don't jump. You could slip. Just, just stand. That's better. Or you'll wake up the kids. Just, just stand. But he says, no, live your lives in such a way that it produces an outcome. It produces an outcome that reveals to others that you're mine. Live your life in such a way that it produces something that other people see that you belong to me. See, Jesus wants your life to count for something. He wants your life to count for something. It's the final purpose and the four purposes that we're looking at. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose. Now, make a difference. Where are you on the journey? Maybe you've been, you know God, you're in relationship with God, and you've, you've found a level of freedom in your life. You're on the path to freedom. You've discovered how you're gifted. You know how you're shaped, but you have yet to make a difference. You're not fulfilling God's purpose. It's not just one. You're, you hang out there. I'm good with one, God. I'm good with knowing you. And you know what? 
you'll find Jesus and, and you'll go into heaven and, and he'll welcome you in. But you'll leave, you'll leave your, your potential untapped. The reason that you're, you were created and existed. To make a difference. He says this, Jesus says, it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Your life should result in an outcome, in fruit. It should produce something like a fruit tree or fruit bush produces fruit. And the fruit of your life, what is produced, should reveal to others that you belong to Jesus. And when I look at the life of Jesus, I see someone who made a difference, right? I see someone that made a difference. So people should look at the outcome of our lives and see Jesus. And Jesus was someone who walked and lived in such a way that lives were transformed. It was his mission to change lives. He says this. He says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear fruit. And not just fruit, but much fruit. If you look at that word much, I like to do this once in a while. I like to look at the original language. Just, just give me a little bit more meaning because I can sometimes just gloss over words. But that word much, guess what it means? Much. It means a lot. It means plenty. It means oftentimes. It means large quantities, great amount. It doesn't mean that you bear fruit once. It doesn't, it, he's not saying to my Father's glory that you bear fruit one time. That's good. No. He doesn't say that you bear fruit occasionally when you feel like it. It's to my Father's glory that you bear fruit when you kind of feel like you want to bear fruit. Right? He says, no, it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And your much is not my much, and my much is not your much. Our muches are different. It's not a comparison game. But are you producing in accordance with your design? Are you making a difference with how you're built and shaped? I think this much means that you can't just make a difference once. I think this much means that you can't just serve once. You can't just be kind once. You can't just give occasionally. Your life needs to be a lifestyle of much fruit. And again, your much is not my much, and my much is different than your much, and your much is different than their much. Everyone has a different kind of much, but there needs to be much to live a life that makes a difference. I look at how I was thinking about this. I look at how some of you serve in this church, and I see much fruit. I see the sacrifices that are made week in and week out, and, and the, 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 just the, the giving and the, and the serving. And I see people who are making much fruit, who are making a difference. And when you do that, the scripture says that it's to the Father's glory, that he gets the credit, that he gets the kudos, that, that he gets the honor because he made you that way. God gets glory when you function in your gifts. God gets glory when you make a difference with how you've been designed, right? If I was an inventor and I invented something for a specific purpose and people used that thing for that purpose, I get credit for that. When you just function in your gift, God is glorified. You don't have to necessarily come here and raise your hands and shout out a, a lyric from a screen. You function your new gift, and God gets glorified because that's how he made you. That's how he's designed you. So if you're gifted with hospitality, and you're hospitable, and you serve, and you give, and you give and serve, in that capacity, God gets glory because that's the way he made you. How has God made you? That's why we're looking at spiritual gifts. How has God made you? Because when you begin to function in those gifts, you're glorifying the Lord. You're glorifying the creator of all things. And then he says this to con conclude that section. In verse 11, John chapter 15, he says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Some of you have been looking for joy, right? You're starving for it. Perfect joy is found in remaining in Christ and bearing fruit. You find the joy that you're searching for when you find out how you're gifted and you function in those gifts. Jesus said that. I've told you these things, that my joy will be in you. You want joy? Serve in your gifts. Utilize your gifts. How are you designed? 
Use them. And then he says, and your joy will be complete. You receive deep, resounding fulfillment, a joy that is full when you live a life that makes a difference. Jesus said this. The interesting thing is, is because sometimes that's not enough for people, which I don't know why, because it's Jesus who said it, is studies actually show this. Studies show that the happiest people are people who feel like their lives are making a difference in the lives of others. The Wall Street Journal shared a medical study that was done that showed um, acts of generosity release neurochemicals in our brain like dopamine that bring us pleasure. Dopamine is considered the reward chemical of the brain. It's the reward chemical. It's incredibly complex, but in short, it's the happy chemical. It's the addiction chemical. So when people do drugs and they find themselves in that habit of addiction, it's because dopamine is released in their brain and their bodies want to produce that again, and so there's that addiction form. It's the, it's the same thing that happens when you drink your coffee in the morning. You're all of a sudden like, woo, I'm awake. Dopamine's released. You feel pleasure. You feel good. It's the same thing people are showing now. Studies show that when you scroll your phone endlessly and mindlessly, and the reason you find yourself addicted to it is because dopamine's being released in your brain. There's a pleasure that happens. But also, studies have shown that when you give and you serve and you make a difference, dopamine is released and you feel good. You actually Rewire your addictive habits by making a difference. You feel good, biologically speaking, on a chemical level, when you serve in your gifts. Isn't that interesting that God designed us in such a way? I've designed you in such a way that you can utilize these gifts to make a difference in my kingdom, and I'm going to get honor for it. But not only that, but you're going to feel pleasure as you do so. And if you don't believe the scriptures that said it 2,000 plus years ago, I'm going to show you through some recent studies. Come on. We feel good. There's a story of a, a Christian man who, who gathers with his, his family monthly for a family meal, but his family has grown to a large capacity, so it's very difficult to get everyone together. He's got two kids that still live at home. Three have gone off and got married, and now he has five grandchildren. Some of you probably know how hard it is to get a family of such size organized together to meet for one meal. So what he does is he monthly picks a restaurant, and they go and meet at this restaurant, and he pays for the bill, which is hefty, but he's willing to do so. And it's compelling to the, to the families who got the little kids, because like, oh, dad's paying? Okay, let's, let's go. Let's bring the kids. Let's go. And let's meet. And so once a month, they meet for this family meal. Now, they pick this restaurant. They reserved reservations. But on this particular day, the restaurant was overflowing with people. It was busy. Thankfully, they got their seats because they had the reservation. But the service was extremely slow. How many of you guys have been there? You've seen service extremely slow. It's, it's frustrating, right? You're not getting your meal in time. Your waiter hasn't even come to take your order, and you feel like you've already been there for half an hour. But on this particular day, he was, he was not concerned about that because he's just happy to have his whole family together. And some of you, some of you parents know what that's like. It doesn't matter. So the waitress comes by, and she looks distraught, and she looks beside herself. She's got the look on her face that says, I got too many tables and some. And so this Christian man says to her, do you know what? Don't worry about us. Take your time. Tend to the other tables first. We're okay. Because again, he was happy that his family was there, but his family looks at him like, are you crazy? I got little kids I got to feed, feed. So the night goes on. They, they eventually get their, their food, and the waitress does what often waitresses do is they come back around to see how is everything going, but he flipped it on her because he saw something. He sensed something. So before she had an opportunity to say, hey, how is everything going? He says, are you okay? I'm a Christian. And in that moment, her, her eyes welled up with tears. She almost broke down, but held it in and said, just pray for me. And she scurried off away. He felt it in his heart to give her a generous tip that night. He said, I want to change the culture of her night. I want to make a difference in her day. 
Usually he doesn't give big tips. He gives the normal tip, right? The normal tippers. Do you know what? I think Christians that leave big tips, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself when I say that. I'm preaching to the choir because I, I often don't live, leave big ones, but you can make a difference in someone's life just by that. So he felt in his heart to leave a generous tip, the kind that, that makes them come back and say, there's a mistake, right? So they go to leave. They signs the bill, leaves the tip, goes to leave. The waitress comes back. Sir, sir, I, I believe there's been a mistake. He says, no, there's not a mistake. That's for you. God wanted me to tell you that he loves you. She began to tear up, said thank you, and turned away. And as he was describing the story, he says, I had hoped to make a difference in her day. I had hoped to make a difference in her day, but I realized I felt more blessed and an incredible sense of fulfillment when I did so. He couldn't be her therapist, right? He couldn't, he couldn't solve all of her problems, but he did enough to change the culture of a night. And in doing so, he felt a sense of joy. Jesus said, I told you this, that you, my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. We find fulfillment in the journey of life when we make a difference in others. And we make a difference because a difference has been made in us. The scriptures t- tell a story of a man who was demon-possessed. He was demon-possessed for a lengthy period of time, so he would actually live in tombs. He would live in places where they kept dead bodies. And not only did he live in tombs where they kept dead bodies, but he was naked. He, was, he was literally had no clothes. And it was, the evil in him was so strong that often people would, they would bind him up in chains. They would lock him up to keep the evil in him at bay. And I think we do that sometimes, right? We try to find measures in which to keep the evil in us at bay. Maybe we, maybe we have chocolate and ice cream or, you know, maybe we have something that just numbs the pain, right? We try to do our measures, but it doesn't work because they, he kept breaking the chains. He kept breaking the chains. And so Jesus shows up on the scene. He's, he's crossing the Sea of Galilee in his boat. He steps out of his boat, gets onto the land, and immediately this demon-possessed man meets Jesus. And he begins to beg Jesus because he knows the power, and Jesus says, don't torture us. Don't torture us. Did you know that demons know the name of Jesus and shudder and fear? Don't torture us. So Jesus casts the demons out of the man, sets him free, casts them into pigs, and the pigs go over the cliff and they drown. And there's people that are watching this. And they see the difference that is made in this, in this man's life that they once chained up that lived naked in tombs. And so they go back to the town and they go to tell everybody, you got to see what I just saw. you got to see what just happened in this person's life. And when they come back, they see the man who was once controlled by demonic forces, who was once under, under Satan's dominion, free, sitting up in his right mind wearing clothes. And so this man who's, who's been changed and transformed by Jesus, he, he says, Jesus, I want to follow you. And so Jesus goes to get in his boat, and he begs Jesus, let me come with you. And Jesus says, no. No. Go and tell others what I've done for you. A difference has been made in your life. Now go and make a difference in other people's lives. See, sometimes we like to just hang out with Jesus a lot, which is good because Jesus is cool. But we like to hang out with Jesus. Jesus, you've changed me, and I want to worship you, and I want to spend time with you. And he's like, that's great but go and, and tell others because there's others who haven't, haven't received yet, who, haven't, who haven't, don't, don't, don't know yet, who, who I have yet to make a difference in. Go and make a difference in others. A difference has been made in your life, believer, so that you can make a difference in someone else's life. Jesus said this, John 17, verse 18, he says, at Praying to, praying to the Father, he says, as, I've, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. 
So Jesus came on a mission. He came on a mission. He lived his life with a mission. And he sent us who know him on that same mission. Life is a mission. And by what that, I mean that life is an assignment. You have an assignment by God to make a difference. When Jesus first called some of his disciples to follow him, some of them were, were hanging out with their fathers in a boat fishing. This was their livelihood. It was the family business. They were just doing life, working for the man, right? And Jesus shows up on, the, on a beach and says, hey, I see you just doing life, just working. Come and follow me, and I will make you a fisher of people, a fisher of men. Come, learn from me, and then go and continue the mission. Not just come and learn from me and learn from me and learn from me and come and learn from me and come and learn from me and learn from me and learn from me until you die. Come and learn from me and then go on the same mission. They were called into mission. And when he died and rose again and ascended into heaven, he gave them one final command. P.S. Jesus didn't die a second time, just so you know. Right? When he died and he, he rose again, he appeared to many people, he ate with people, he, he walked with people, and then on this final scene, he's with the disciples and he gives them one final command, and then he ascends into heaven. So when we say that he's alive, it's because he's alive. Right? It's not just like this, this fun thing that we say in church, that Jesus is alive and then he died. I actually had a student long, long ago, I think it was like a decade ago, say, when did he die a second time? He didn't die a second time. He's still alive. And so he gave, gives them one final command before he ascends into heaven. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Disciples, go and make a difference. I've made a difference in your life. I've taught you. I've trained you. I've done it with you. And now I'm going, and you need to go and make a difference. Go and make a difference. God loves the whole world. He desires none to perish. He wants all to come to a saving knowledge, to come to repentance. But his means of doing so, of reaching people's lives, is you and me. It's not like, God, I want you to change lives. Have fun. He's like, I want to change lives, and I'm doing it through you. I've made a difference in you, so much so, that I want people to see what I've done and come to me. I've made a difference in you so much so that I want you to go tell people what I've done so that a difference can be made in their life. His plan to reach lives relies on you and me, and our responsibility isn't to change the world, but it's to change our corner of it. Your neighborhood, this town, this area, Lambton County, call it whatever you are, whatever you want. That's our responsibility. We have a responsibility to the place where we live. God has placed you where you are on purpose. He's not just created you the way he's created you and designed you the way he's designed you, but where you are is not by accident. You're, it's not just by happen chance that you happen to be living in Sarnia or living in Moortown or living in the neighborhood you're living in. You think you chose that house? Wrong. God put you there if you were a believer. And if you're not a believer and you find yourself here to, this morning, it's not by chance, it's not by accident that someone just happened to invite you that happens to be a Christian. God put you here. There's a reason for it. And so when you look where you live, you got to look at your mission field. you got to look at the place that God's put you to make a difference in our part of the world. So how do we do that and where do we do that? I'm going to look at the where and then we're going to look at the how. Very practical for you this morning. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus said when the Spirit of God would come, the disciples would receive power and ability to be witnesses to the world. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He empowers us to be a witness. He doesn't empower us to just stay where we are. 
He doesn't just empower us to remain. He empowers us to be a witness. He says this, and it says this. It says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, you may have seen this before, but this gives us clues as to where we can make a difference, okay? First, Jerusalem. For the disciples, this represented the Jews, people with the same ethnic and religious background. It was those that were closest to them. For us, what does this mean? Those closest to us, family, close friends, and coworkers, and people you see often. I think about a couple that were, uh, an older couple that were in my life when I was a young adult. I just happened to find myself kind of woven within their story. They were, their, their son was close friends with my, my sister. And maybe they saw something in my life, I don't know, but they were often there for me. I remember they would take me out for lunch when there was things going on with my family. And, it, and it's not like they knew that was going on that day, but it just happened to work out that way that it, something was going on. And they, they met me, and they often give me a lot of money to pay for my bills that I couldn't pay for. And I never told them. I'm not like, hey, I, I have these bills to pay for that I can't meet. Can you help me out? It just, it just God works it out that way. And they poured into my life. And I will never forget the effect, I'm telling you their names, of Barry and Lynn Welch. Because they were close to me, and they made a difference in my life. They made a difference in my life. It's church and church ministries. You can make a difference by serving in church. Parkway Church. If we want to see people come to know God and find freedom, discover purpose, then we need to do our part. We need to play our part. We need people to work and serve and use their gifts here to make a difference. If you took the spiritual gift test, we actually include, I said this last week, on each of the definitions of the spiritual gift, we showed opportunities and places you can serve within the church, and some of them aren't even existing yet but something we're looking at, so that you can say, okay, I'm gifted with this, and here's a place that I can serve and use that gift in the church. I imagine, uh, as, I, as I pray and envision, I imagine this room packed on a Sunday morning. I imagine it packed. Me and one of the elders were talking about that one day there's going to be a time when you come to church, and if you come late, you don't get a seat. And that's just not, huh? I believe in faith for that. I believe in faith for that. But in order to do that, in order to accommodate that, we have to have people on rotation. We have to have people in place on the welcome team, and the greeters, the cafe, the media, the kids' ministry, hall monitors, worship team throughout the week. We need people prepared to run life groups and, and, and Bible studies and run programs and serve in those programs. I know that God will not give us that growth. I'm ready, but you got to play your part. The church has to be the church. The church has to be the body. We have to function in our gifts. And you can make a difference by using your gift here. And it's a safe place to start. It's a safe place to start. Going to your atheist neighbor across the street might be a little difficult for you. But doing it to another Christian in a building is easy. I think my voice just cracked there. <laughs> I'm going to come back to that a little bit. Not the voice cracking. but Secondly, he says Judea and Samaria. For the disciples, this was those that were close to them, but different, right? Those regionally close to them, but different in life. For you and me, that's people that are right by you, but not you. Right? Those are people that are right by you, not, but not you. Close in proximity, but far relationally. This is the atheist that lives across the street that you don't talk to. Right? This is the new agey co-worker that you know. This, this is the, the neighbor. This is, this is Corona. This is Courtright. This is Moortown. This is Sarnia. This is Lambton County. This is people that are close to us, but far relationally. We can make a difference here. And that's why we, we give to things like NeighborLink. 
And that's why we run Thursdays, Super, uh, Super Thursdays, and we give away meals because we want to make a difference to those who are close to us but far. That's why we do outreaches. We want to make a difference in those right by us but not us. For those of you who saw on the screens, that's why we're doing a thing called Dad Fest, where we're going to bring in some classic cars and car smash and tractor pulls and free barbecues, because I have a conviction, another one, I'm saying that a lot this morning, that if we can reach dads, we can reach families. Some of you have fathers and, and, and you know, sons maybe, that you know are far from God. Bring them. If you've got a classic car PS, bring that too, or you know someone that does, fill it up. But we can make a difference here. We can make a difference. And finally, he says, to the ends of the earth. For the disciples, this was everywhere else. This was to the ends of the earth, right? For this, for us, it's those far from us. This is Canada, right? This is our nation. This is those outside of, of our little corner of Ontario. This is those in the Middle East and southern countries and South America. This is the billions of people who have never received Jesus. Billions of people. Billions of people don't know Jesus. That number should not, should not sit well with us. Billions of people. That's why we do things like give towards missionaries who have dedicated their lives to those nations. That's why we do it. That's why we give to networks, which I've told you about, like ARC, that plant churches across Canada and make a difference. That's why we're sending a team to Dominican Republic in November. So if, shameless plug again, if you're interested in going on a mission trip and making a difference in our world, you can talk to Paul. Where is Paul? Is he in here? There he is, right at the back. You can find him and talk to him. We'll tell you more about that. I just threw that in there for fun. So those close, those close but far and those far from us is where we can make a difference, but how? Okay, so I know where, but how do I do this? Now, if you haven't got it already through the last couple weeks, here's how. By giving your time, your talent, and your treasure. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. Your hours, your gifts, and your resources. You can make a difference when you give your time to serve in ministry. You can make a difference when you take time to talk with that person across the street. I know you're tired and it's been a long day, but they need Jesus. You can, you can make a difference when you give up an evening to help a friend. You can make a difference when you commit to giving regularly here at the church. You can, you can make a difference when you give your talent, your gift, to serve here in the church. In fact, I believe in this so much. I believe that we are called to make a difference, that we are wired to make a difference, that we have been designed in such a way to make a difference. And I believe that, that we find fulfillment in that, that we find joy in that, that what we've actually done is we've actually taken sign-up sheets for each of the different ministries, well, most of the ministries that are here at the church. And right at the back door there, there's a table right next to where you can sign up for church around the table, where you can actually sign up to be a part of a ministry here in the church. There's, there's the, the worship teams on there, there's the greeters, the welcome team, the media team, cleanup team, there's kids ministry, there's youth. Now some of these, like kids and youth, do require some screening, but just try it out. Like this is not like a lifetime commitment, like you're signing your life away when you put your name on the paper. It's not like, shoot, oh. This is, try it out. Go for a few weeks, and if it doesn't fit with your gift, then say, okay, I'm gonna try something else. But don't just not try anything. Try something, sign up. Kids ministry, Thursdays, welcome team, worship, worship team, ushers, the cafe, the prayer team. Give it a try. Now, I've asked a couple people to actually come and share a little bit um, about where they serve and how that's made an impact on your life. So you guys can come at this time. Um, but as they do, and you can join me right on the stage, just, just come right to my left here. 
According to a census in 2016, this is, why, this is why making a difference here matters, okay? Census in 2016, there are 5,686 people living in Corona alone. That was 2016. Things have grown since then. I know there's at least five more because my family's here. But this means that we have about 2.5%, just, just quick math, 2.5% in this church alone. Probably less because a lot of you come from different places other than Corona, like Sarnia. So we could estimate, if I'm being generous, that as low as 90% to 98% of people in Corona, just Corona alone, are far from God. If, if just generous math, probably closer to 98% are far from God. That should not sit well with us. God, give us 10%. Just give us 10%. But if a little over 10% walk through the doors, we wouldn't be equipped. We would have to do three services because that would be around 600 people. And we only have enough chairs for about 200, maybe 217. We wouldn't be equipped. If the amount of people who came to our Easter event came to church, we would have four services at max capacity. Because we need people in the dream team. What do I call the dream team? Those who serve, kids ministry, worship team, cafe, greeters, ushers. We need people in these ministries if we're going to see growth. If we're going to have the ability to, to accommodate people in this building beyond what's right here, then we need people serving in this building beyond what's right here. Well, that's really hard, Pastor Paul. I'm sorry, I love you. I really do. The population, let me take it further, and then we're going to get to these guys. The population of St. Clair Township, according to that 2016 census, that's the latest one they've done, P.S., that's why I'm using those numbers, is 14,086. That means we have about 1% of that entire population in this church, roughly, 1%. God, give us 10%. But if 10%, if 10% walked through the door, we would not be ready. We would either need a new facility or we would have to run seven services. If just 10%, seven services, we need people to use whatever gift they have and they've received if we're going to see people come to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in their life. We need people to make a difference here. And this is the easiest place to do it. And if you can't do it here, it's going to be really hard to do it out there. It's really hard. And I was thinking about this. Can we ask for 10%? If we're not given 10%, like, can I ask, God, give us 10% of people who are far from you. Like, we should ask for 100%, but give us 10% of people who are far from us. If I don't give 10% of my time, can I do that? My resources? Like, if you don't pray that prayer, then whatever. But if you begin to pray that prayer, you better hope, because God's going to be like, yeah, sure, I'll give you 10%, but are you giving 10%? I'll give it to you. I'll give I think he's ready, church. I think he's been ready. But he needs the body to step up and be the body to use gifts. And it's not hard work. It's just how am I, how am I, how am I gifted? Fill out a gifts test. Sign up for, for a ministry. Check it out. It's a tryout, right? The difference is they're not trying you out. You're trying them out. Try it out and see if something doesn't happen in your heart. So I have, I have Brooklyn and Ruby with me. And I've asked them just to share a little bit about how they serve and where they serve. So you, you just come forward because you need to talk into the mic here. So I'm going to ask them four questions. All right, do, do you want me to ask you the questions or do you just want to say it? 
You can just say it. So, so I've asked them to share a little bit about where they serve, how long they've been serving there for, why did they start, and how it's made an impact on their life. Um, I'm Brooklyn, for anyone who doesn't know me. I've been involved with the kids' ministry for about six to seven years now. Um, and when I started coming to Parkway when I was in high school, God really just put like a passion in me for serving in whichever way I could. And I think I started with the kids' ministry because Michelle was asking for volunteers, and I just knew that there was a need, so I thought I'd get involved. Um, but really, since then, I've loved getting to know the kids and the families, and I've just felt more connected to Parkway as a whole. I think it's great that I get to be a part of um, like teaching the next generation about the kingdom of God and helping them draw closer to Jesus. Um, and also, I'd say like my even my faith and my walk with God has strengthened even through like preparing the lessons and having the conversations and like questions from kids on Sundays. I think it's amazing. And I've really just found a lot of joy and purpose in being involved at Parkway. Yeah. And my name is Ruby, for those of you who don't know me. And I do the ladies' ministry here. And Pastor Michelle was behind us, too. Yeah. She took me for coffee. But there was a need. She told me about the need in the church for uh, a ladies' group. And uh, we talked and shared. And I told her about the passion I have in women's ministries and um, so uh, I didn't have to pray, I didn't have to think. I just felt honored by God uh, to be used like this. Um, there was a need, and uh, God knows I love to talk, so that's a gift in itself. And uh, when his spirit touches it, it's anointed. And so, uh, yeah, so let's see here. I wrote it down because I want to make sure I don't miss nothing. So I've been doing this for about four years, roughly. And I've also been, uh, we do the ladies' study, but we also put on uh, different functions. We've had a movie night, we've had spa nights, and all kinds of fun stuff like that. And um, so let me see if I missed anything here. Yes, the reason why, you had a question, why did you start? So um, I did, I, I said yes right away because uh, women's ministry is close to my heart because I remember the women that poured into me when I first started out. And uh, I, what you see today is a result of these women being obedient and giving uh, time out of their busy lives to pour into me and to mentor me. And so um, I don't, I I feel closest to Jesus when I'm encouraging one of the ladies, and I just love women's ministries, and uh, yeah, that's it. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. You guys can go. Thank you so much. I, I truly believe, and as you can, you can see here, that when you begin to serve, not only does it make a difference, but it makes a difference in you. I remember of a guy, and I wasn't even... Um, thinking about sharing this until they started speaking. Um, goes by the name of James. I won't mention his last name just in case he's listening. It's a friend of mine now. But when I first began in ministry, right, first you know position ever in ministry, uh, I was running youth ministry and I needed to do setup. And somebody told me about this guy named James. And James, they described him as someone that would be on the fence. They're like, well, we don't really know where James is in his faith. Well, he's, he's on the fence. And so I'm like, well, I just need people that are available, and he happened to be available. So I'm like, hey, James, you want to meet for, for coffee? And so we went up for coffee, and he told me a little bit about what he does and who he is. And he seemed like a guy that's probably on the fence, to be honest. 
But I was like, hey, you're free during the day. I need, I need help moving these chairs just like these. I need help moving these chairs to set up for, for youth. Would you give me a hand? He's like, sure. I just asked him to join me in doing it. And for two years, James dedicated twice a week, tearing down a room like this full of chairs and setting it up twice a week for two years. At the end of the two years, he was actively involved in almost every ministry of the church to the degree when, when I left that position, he took on the youth pastor position. Now he's in school, he's, he's, he's studied uh, at Bible college, and now he's going on to be a Christian counselor. I'm not trying to toot my horn, but there's something about that serving that changes and making a difference in someone's life that changes them, right? And as you serve and as you give in your gifts, something happens, something awakens in you. You find, you find a sense of purpose. And so today, before you leave, join in church around the table, but sign up for a, sign up for a ministry to try it out, to get involved, because we need you to get involved. 14,000 people in St. Clair Township need you. 5,000 people in Corona need you. People who are far from God need you to serve in your gifts. And you may feel like you're not gifted. You may feel like you don't have a lot to offer, but you have more than you know. More than you know. And maybe you don't know what it looks like. Even after you took the gift test, you're like, I'm not sure. Do what Brooklyn does and just like, I just need to find a place to serve in the church. And so there happened to be an opportunity. There's lots of opportunities. There happened to be a need. Try it out. Give it a try. 1 Peter 4 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And Jesus said, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Give us 10%, God. And help us to give 10%. So our heart for the house is that we become people who make a difference, that what flows through our veins, that our heart beats for mission and assignment. Our heart beats for people to come to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Would you stand and let's pray. So Father God, I'm thankful, God, for your word. I'm thankful that we get each week to look at it, God, that I get to do what I do, that I get to play my part. Lord, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm, I'm honored, God, that you've chosen me for this purpose. God, that you've equipped me that you've gifted me in such a way that I get to be a part of your kingdom. And I pray, God, that we would all take our gifts, our talents, our abilities, God, our resources, God, our shape, our design, and would use whatever gift we have received, God, to serve others, God, as faithful stewards of the grace you've shown us. So I pray in Jesus' name, would you stir hearts? Would you remind people of their talents, of their treasures? God, would you show people, Father God, where they're gifted, how they're shaped? And would you put something in their heart, God? Would you, would you begin to allow their heart to beat, God, to sync up with the rhythm of yours, God, to, to use that gift to further your kingdom, God, to see the mission of God advance. And in doing so, God, I pray that we would find fulfillment, that we'd find the joy, because your word says you've told us this, that your joy may be in us. And so I pray in Jesus' name that we would find joy in making a difference. Lord, that we would be a church, God, that we would be a church in the name of Jesus where people come to know you. God, well, where people can come into, into a service, God, into a group, God, and experience your presence in a way, God, that, that starts something in them to build a relationship with you. I pray that we become a church, God, where people find freedom through, through growing in relationship with you, for, through learning and discipleship, God, through connection, God, but people will begin the path to freedom, God. We have people that have hang-ups and mess-ups. God, we all have hang-ups and mess-ups. And so I pray that we'd find freedom in this church, God. We would be a church where people discover their gifts, God, where people can come and, and figure out how they're designed and how they're shaped, God, in such a way that we would be a church that makes a difference. God, we wouldn't just be a church that exists in and for itself, 
Lord, but, but Kurana and, and Moortown and, and, and St. Clair Township, God, and Sarnia, and God, in this whole region, we begin to hear about Parkway Church because of the difference Parkway Church is making, not just in the event, but through the lives of each and every single individual here today and through the lives of every individual and every person, God, that, that wanders through our streets and our neighborhoods, God, and, and rubs shoulders with us in our workplaces, God, and in, in the coffee shop, Lord, and as we get groceries. I pray that people come to hear about what's happening at Parkway, not for Parkway's self, but for your glory and for your honor, because we've actually stepped up and fulfilled our purpose by serving in a small way in our gifts, God. We bless you, God. I'm thankful that you use, God, that your way of reaching, your way of reaching is through us. What an honor. What, a, what an honor, God. And we bless you for it, God. I pray, God, for every person that's here, God, maybe there's someone here that doesn't know you. I pray that something's stirred inside their heart, that they come to know you, God. I pray, God, for the needs that are, that are present this morning, God. You know every need, so meet needs as only you can. And bless us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Just Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.